welcome back to the Turning 30 podcast, a place where we talk about what it's really like to turn 30. I'm your host, life coach Emma Wilson, and I'm here to help you feel better, get unstuck and be more confident in your 30s. I'm so excited about today's episode because we are back talking about a topic that I love talking about and really really love doing episodes on and that is all about dating. Now I have invited Caitlin the compatibility coach to come on and in a special format that I don't usually do we're doing quite a set list of questions that you've you being my community have asked me on my Instagram. So I often do Q&As as many of you will know if you follow me from my stories that every week or every few weeks I do a call out for questions and recently I've been really getting questions about dating. I've been asking for scenarios and to hear about dating quandaries that you've all been having so I can help you and answer and off the back of that I thought it was a great idea to invite Caitlin to come on she is a life coach that really does specialize and work specifically with clients on dating and how to make the most of being single and attract a partner and we're going to be diving into some really great questions and I really think that if you are dating or even have friends that are dating then this episode is going to be for you. So I'm going to introduce Caitlin but before I do I just wanted to remind you all that there are still one-on-one spots available to start next month which is in April 2023 so to start next month I'm actually just about to jet off to Sri Lanka for some digital nomading for the winter and get some nice sunshine so you can definitely check out my Instagram stories to see what I'm doing and where I'm staying I'm really excited about the trip and then when I'm back in April I'll be opening up for new clients again so there's a link to book your one-on-one consultation call in my bio and I really invite you to do that if you resonate with this episode and you feel like you are ready to start dating again, you're ready to start doing the mindset work to really do the inventory and the audit about how you feel about dating in a supported environment with somebody who's going to hold you accountable. I have such expertise in helping my clients with this topic and I'm not going to hold myself out to be a coach that can really find my clients love but I do want to say that it is a really regular pattern that when I work with clients on this topic that either during our time together or very soon after they finish their coaching programs with me they meet a partner and the reason being is because they actually do the work on the mindset and then it really shows through in the way they're showing up on dates the way that they're approaching it and sometimes for some people even actually just putting themselves out there that they weren't doing before the coaching program. So again, dating is one of many topics that I'm an expert in helping my clients with. So if this is you and you do want the support, please check out my one-on-one coaching program and apply to work with me. Now, let me introduce Caitlin to you and then we can dive into the episode. So Caitlin, who is otherwise known as the compatibility coach, helps women get great relationships with themselves and with others. She truly believes it's time to create a world where being single feels empowering, that dating is hopeful and fun and relationships are also committed and healthy. She works with clients to ditch toxic relationship patterns, heartbreak and dating emotionally unavailable partners. Welcome Caitlin to the podcast. Hi, Caitlin, and welcome to the podcast. 
Hi, I'm so excited to be here. It's been I, ages, hasn't it? I know, I was just going to say, I feel like this has been such a long time coming to record and I'm so happy that we're finally doing it. I know, and we've got such a fab array of topics as well. I've even written notes, which is very unlike me. I think that we have a set of really relevant and interesting questions that the listeners are going to love but before we dive in let's just do a little intro because obviously we've collaborated before and we've done lives and uh, some of my clients met you as well in uh, one of my group programs and I think I also did a, a workshop for your for your group as well but for the listeners who don't know who you are could you explain a little bit about what you do and uh, what kind of coaching you are focusing on? Of course, so I won't bore you for ages, but I am kind of most commonly known as compatibility coach. And that's because I am pretty much a love and life coach who focuses on working with women who are either single or perhaps in a new relationship. And for whatever reason, they find themselves pretty blocked. So usually the topic that comes up and that we work on is, you know, um, people being attracted to unavailable partners or feeling like their attachment tendencies really hindering them finding love or being able to create that security in that kind of healthy relationship. Um, or we work a lot on kind of healing blocks as well as, you know, looking at dating in the apps and how actually to meet people and how to get into that fun, exciting energy of dating. Because actually it should be something that's enjoyable, but most people absolutely hate it and would get rid of it if they could. <laughs> yeah. And that's obviously what we're here to talk about today is some questions that I've been receiving from my community and also that you've been receiving from yours mm. about dating and about meeting somebody so we guess we'll focus more on that side of things rather than the already being in a in a relationship uh but yeah what was your journey to becoming a coach that was focusing on this what's your love your love story my love story was absolute disaster um so <laughs> Love that. It was just an absolute shit show. Yeah, it was just absolute, I was I was like the worst client, basically. Um, I spent years. It was it was an interesting one because on the surface, I was sort of seemed to have everything together. Like I had lots of friends, I had a great job. If people would have described me as kind of knowing where they were going and happy, and you know, kind of everything everything I wanted, and I was a serial data. But amongst that, my story was that I'm not lovable and I'd never had a boyfriend and I, for whatever reason, couldn't feel like I could hold on to love or it just didn't feel like it was part of my identity. And that came out in, you know, going for people who I didn't even like. Um, I had no idea what healthy looked like. I was on that high adrenaline anxiety roller coaster of the push pull you know, um, dating inappropriate people or being ghosted. And then when somebody amazing did come along, I would sabotage it or feel it wasn't for me or feel like there was something missing. So it was that, and then plus all the pressure of time and all the self-loathing and stuff like that. And then actually I saw a, um, I was in this yoga retreat in Ibiza and met a life coach called Happiness Explorer. I think she's still on Instagram. And it was the first time I'd ever even heard of coaching or realized it was a thing. So I did this workshop and had that realization. I was like, I actually don't like people. 
no, no, I don't like people. Sorry. I don't actually like myself and also probably men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like when you said I actually don't like people, I, when you just said that, I didn't even flinch because I was yeah, like, yeah, but... most, most people, when they're not in a good place in their life, take all their, I guess, their uh, hidden anger out on not liking anyone around them. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense. <laughs> audience slip no I took all that anger out on myself basically but it was a really really important point and actually what I love is it's come full circle because this year I'm actually going back to the same yoga retreat to audition to be a coach there wow I love that yeah it's really exciting it's called yoga fit retreats but from that moment I got really clear that something needed to change and that was when I'd started doing the self-development work and took myself through a process to try and figure out what was going on, why I was getting the results and how I could change the perception of love and what was for me. So then I got into, you know, everything kind of from inner child stuff to looking at manifesting and all of that stuff. And it really was so transformational, not only just about how I felt about myself, but, you know, I then actually was engaged within a year. So for me, the process was so quick and so amazing that when I'd sort of settled into my relationship, which, you know, it wasn't all, it's not all smooth sailing as well, like when you meet the person, but when I kind of felt I had that security within myself and environmentally, I was like, what do I actually want to do? And I, it was just that image of the coach and Ibiza that kept coming back to me. And I was like, okay, that's, that's the sign, that's the signal. So I did all the training and then the questions that I kept being asked, the people that kept coming to me were about dating and loving yourself and relationships and that stuff. So that was kind of my sign from the universe, really. So then I, I love it. Yeah, niched in the love coaching industry, which is an interesting one. I love the story that when when coaches have their story of that moment or that like realization that they needed to change came from discovering coaching. It's also what happened to me. I think it's also what happens to many of us. And I think it's really uh, interesting to realize how many people, not every, not all of those people who have those breaking points or those realizations by meeting a coach, then go on to be a coach, obviously. Not not all of us do that, even though me and you did. But I think it's, I, I love hearing stories and I think it's really nice to hear how many people were at that point of just, okay, something needs to change. I need to, you know, I need to do the work. I need to do something. And then all of a sudden, like, the teacher just comes into your life. There's a, I think that there's like a, a famous quote, like the teacher always appears at the right time. I've completely botched that, but I love it. I think that it happens a lot to people. And I think yeah. that it's just a great story that it then led you to becoming a coach yourself. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. And I get so many messages from people on Instagram being like, I think the algorithm is working in your favor because I was going through a breakup and you popped up. <laughs> yeah, I always have that. I get people on calls and they're like, it was just literally like the weirdest thing. Like I was just about to turn 30 and I saw yeah. a post about turning 30. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you, Instagram. <laughs> you're awful, but you also sometimes help me. I know. As <laughs> much as I moan about it, I'm in those moments. I'm like, okay, I'll give you a break. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, so what we're going to do today is in preparation for this episode, me and you have spoken and we've come up with some questions that our community are interested in and that we want to dive into today. So what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you the question and then we'll open a conversation about it. Obviously, you're the love expert, but I do have some things to offer because I also uh, coach on uh, dating and love and relationships and also until recently it was very active in the dating world so I think I do have also some some things to offer so let's dive in let's start with the question of 
manifesting love. Okay, this is like a, obviously a huge buzzword now, manifesting the man or woman of your dreams and finding that relationship. And it all comes down to, you know, this manifestation process. Is it even possible? Let's dive into that. Okay. I believe it is. I believe that you absolutely can manifest your person or people. I think, you know, the argument against it usually is you can't manifest what you can't control. And no, you can't control when, who, how and where you're going to meet somebody, but you can control everything you're doing to that point. And that's, for me, where the kind of manifesting comes in. It's not even about getting the person, is it necessarily, but it's about creating the life and acting in line with your behavior and your thoughts and being really excited for love and kind of holding your ground with actually what you know you deserve. That's mm. where the magic happens, I think. What about you? I also think that you can manifest love. And it's really hard. I'm sometimes very cynical. Like we were just speaking about this before we got on the, onto the call. But I was sharing my some of my cynical tendencies, which is very almost like uh, contrasting to some of to some of the coaching world, because obviously coaching is a lot about being optimistic and and all those things. But I do believe that you can manifest love, but I think that we need to define what it means to manifest. Like, what in your mind does manifesting love mean? Because I think that there's some confusion amongst what people think it means I think that if we say manifesting love is just writing down a list and they're not doing anything that's actually not manifestation so what how would you define it so when we talk about the term manifesting if you go back to the kind of old school origins it's ultimately law of attraction which is whatever you focus your energy on is what you're going to get back and that's positive energy negative energy but when you actually look at the kind of process of calling something in, whether that's, you know, hopefully is going to be something that you want and it's really good. I think the actual steps that you take to manifest, first of all, are grounded in neuroscience, but it also is a very, very practical application. And sometimes I think we get confused with, if I just think positively and I wish that something's going to happen, it's going to come in. But actually when I don't ever tell clients like we're working on manifesting really but when I when we look at the steps we take it is everything from doing the healing work looking at your blueprint looking at your belief system you know looking at how we can change your kind of neuro pathways to expand and notice new opportunities and grow self-worth and open new doors you know that's all a massive massive part of it as well and mm. then it's getting really clear on what you want yeah I don't actually normally recommend like having a sort of stringent tick list but at least getting an idea of how you want it to feel and the kind of things you want in your life and the values that you have and that other person has. And then we've got a, the most important part, arguably, is acting in line with that. So then what are you going to do to get the thing you want? Doing like a manifesting visualization is lovely, but it doesn't make you get up your ass and go and get the thing. Exactly. And that's when I said, I think that if we think of manifestation, we go back to what the origins of manifestation is, the law of attraction, the secret, you write a check for a million dollars and put it on your wall and then eventually you're going to get a million dollars. And I think that is not the truth. The truth is it's all about what you said. It's about getting really, really, really clear on what you want 
and then and blocking everything, all the resistance, everything holding you back, all the thoughts and the beliefs and the narratives and the stories that you tell about yourself that are holding you back from actually meeting that person. And I think I see it with clients as well. I'll give an example of a client who we were working together one-on-one for a big part of last year and she really wanted to meet somebody and she was actively dating and she was manifesting this person. She was really into the manifestation process as well, separately to what we were doing. And in our sessions, we uncovered a really, really strong subconscious belief that came into her consciousness that she was really scared of getting divorced. She was really nervous about, because of things that have happened in her family with her sibling, about getting married and commitment and trusting and about trusting men and we really worked on it in our one-on-one together and not surprisingly a few months after we did this work she met someone and is now in a committed relationship with somebody and she isn't scared anymore of this divorce thing so I do think that when we speak about manifestation it is really intrinsically linked to doing that healing to really Mm -hmm. diving deep into it and I do think that you can manifest a love I actually want to say something as well (laughs) I, I I did have a list and I think that is, I was listening to a Jay, Jay Shetty podcast the other day and he was saying that he doesn't believe that you should do lists because it closes mm. off potential options. So I want to say that I think lists are really good for establishing your worthiness to be like, these are the things that I'm not going to compromise on and have like almost like I, I get my clients to segregate the list. So the real like three deal breakers, three half deal breakers that they maybe would be more flexible on and then the rest being like just things nice to have so I did it I have to say I wrote a list I actually did a future you activity on myself that I do with all my clients of the future version of me when I was in a relationship and how she felt and I also did a future version of the man and wrote all of the qualities and everything and I have to say it worked the person that I'm with is literally there's like probably two things on the list that he doesn't have and I have everything that I'm that I feel that I wanted to feel when I was with him so I believe it I do and I also believe in lists as long as you don't be too what's the word strict with it that you don't let it hold you back yeah and I do get you know all my clients love the lists and we do all the list writing and I'm actually the same I do the okay write down everything you could possibly want and then we put it to one side and then we do the same. It's the, what's the deal breakers? What's the non-negotiables? But most importantly, how do you want to feel? And what kind of values do you want them to have? And things like that. So we get a really clear picture. And then we can go back to the everything that they think they want. And actually, it's a bit of an exercise of, okay, so why do you want that thing? How does it relate to any of the non-negotiables, the values, this? And it's a really, really, it's also a really interesting exercise to explore yourself and getting to know yourself. But I do have some people who get fixated on the image of the perfect person. And when that is quite stuck on aesthetics and status and having things, that's when we rip the list up and throw out the door because, Mm. you know, that is very constraining and chances are like maybe love isn't going to look the way you think it's going to be or the way you thought it was going to look when you were 15 or 20 you know where can be the flexibility and actually you want to be around somebody who makes you feel amazing yeah so yeah I agree lists as long as it's not five sheets of paper and minute detail about how much they're gonna earn (laughs) oh my god completely and uh, yeah to be fair 
I really agree with that, that aesthetics and status and height, let's say that height is obviously Mm. what a lot of women get caught up on, shouldn't really be on the list. Or it can be on the list, but I think that with the words open mind next to it. Let's move on to the next question and let's just, let's summarize. The answer that we said was, yes, you can manifest love, but with the caveat of, but it takes work of knowing yourself and healing and doing all the things. Definitely. And it's not a passive process. It's not about wishful thinking. It is a lot of it is about action. It's about aligning action and your belief system and actually getting excited for that thing. Yeah, totally. Which links very nicely to the next question. How to not lose hope when you've been dating and looking for love for so many years, years on end. And let's say, I know that your audience is probably also similar age uh, ages to mine, but you know, I have many listeners and, and followers and clients who are, you know, 30 plus and have been, some of them have not been in a relationship ever. And some have not been in a relationship for five years plus, And they feel really exhausted and they feel really, hopeless how can we not lose hope when this is happening the first thing I want to say is actually acknowledge how shit it is let's call a spade a spade because it can feel exhausting and disappointing and it does feel unfair you know whether that's maybe the reality or not it you know I remember you like sit on the floor and cry and be like when will it be my turn and it does feel unfair and it can be a really draining disappointing process and I think that it is important to acknowledge those feelings as well and actually lend a bit of acceptance to that in that it's not always going to be think positively think positively think positively about it um and that's okay as well but I, a bit like manifesting, I believe hope and joy and trust are actually things you can work on. So I do think some people have a bit more of a natural tendency towards thinking everything's always going to be all right and towards looking for the growth and towards that kind of natural state of excitement. And for other people like me, I do think we have to work on it a little bit more. And there are a lot of things that we can do. Yeah. And I also think it's, you know, perhaps we can talk about some of the things actually we can do and give some really solid action points. But I also think it's it's important to recognize that, you know, we can have a lack of hope and a bit of disappointment. And then, you know, a little bit, a little another thought that says, OK, but actually, what if it does happen? You know, what if what if it's so you can kind of have that fear and that hope at the same time. Um, And it's about when you're ready, what you want to focus your energy on. Do we want to sink into the fear? Do we want to ruminate then? Sometimes you need a bad day. You know, you need to do all the swearing and the crying and the whatever. And actually, a lot of the time, and what I do see is most people do choose the hope in the end. They do choose to move towards that. So even if it's like 1% of you that feels hopeful, that 1% of you thinks or trusts it might happen, let's focus all of our energy on that 1%. Wow. That's such a good answer because it's so real and so honest. And I think that it is about not trying to emotionally bypass or like emotionally gaslight yourself for not feeling hopeful when you are in that space of feeling like this is really hard. I I was, it's very fresh for me thinking of all the rejections that I had in dating over the last few years and 
all the times where I was like, oh my God, like maybe I just am not meant to meet someone. And it does happen, but you absolutely can choose to believe. I think that that's the answer that I would say is that having hope isn't something that's just there or not there. It's something you Mm -hmm. have to actively practice and you have to actively choose to believe. And I don't want to say even choose to believe that you're going to meet someone. Okay. I think that's almost like we like you said, we, we don't know. We don't know when it will happen, if it will happen. But I think it's actively choosing to believe that your path is your path and that it's happening this way for a reason and that you are at the time that you're supposed to going to have a relationship. Maybe it's not the relationship in capital letters. No, I don't, I don't really believe in the one anyway. But I think that when we release from having to know exactly when it's going to be, but just believing that at some point, the universe or whoever you believe in is going to bring me a deep, loving connection with somebody, then that sparks hope. And that was for me that even in the lowest points, I did really connect back to, oh, I can choose to be miserable and cynical about love. And I can choose to be angry about dating. And I can choose to be, you know, that girl that is going to just be pissed off all the time and truly thinks that she's going to be I don't know, on the shelf. Or I can choose to believe that, like you said, this is hard. It sometimes sucks. I do want to meet someone. I do have some fears around it. However, it's happening for a reason and it's going to come when it's the time, right time. And I think that practicing that is difficult, but it's just really necessary and it really helped me and it helps all my clients as well. Definitely. And what you said there, I love because it's almost surrendering it, isn't it? And I do think one of the hardest things to master is when you when you desperately want something, releasing that attachment to the outcome of getting it. And especially with working in this space, because I do work specifically with people who, you know, 90% of them do want that relationship. Okay. And that is a, that's more than okay to want that relationship. That's great. But sometimes then it gets in the cycle, I'm doing this work. So why aren't I? Yeah. I'll do this work if I meet someone. I'll do I'll do all these things, I'll manifest. So why isn't that person appearing on the dating app five minutes after? And I think it goes back to that kind of idea of again aligning your behavior in it, your thoughts and your expectations and your feelings around it. Because you know, you can't say, I'll give up dating men who treat me or women who treat me badly if you guarantee I'm going to meet somebody else in two weeks. We can't say we're going to do something or give something up only if we're going to get something else. So Mm. just in general of life, right, it's such a good thing to start practicing and actually to kind of start leaning into. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think also it's important to remember if you are somebody who is losing hope with dating, then yes, step one, be kind and compassionate to yourself. That is really hard. But after that, do go on a process of try, like you said, focus on the 1% hope, choose to believe that it's happening for like this for a reason and that something good is coming along and we don't know what's around the corner. Because also think about how that lack of hope feeds through to the actions that you do. And I think I see this a lot and I call it in coaching, in my coaching when I'm doing dating work, energy leaks, like the energy that you leak through on a date if you are hopeless and filled with dread or you don't genuinely believe that the person that you're going to go on the date with could even be the person because you've lost faith in 
meeting someone, that person will feel that. Even if they don't know that they feel it, they will feel it. It's an energy. And I really believe in energies and dating. And I think it's really important to look at, if you want to do like an audit of how you've been dating, if you are somebody who feels like you're losing hope, is to really get clear on how that lack of hope is feeding through into your into your dating life? Is it affecting how you speak about your dates? Is it affecting how you send messages on the apps? Is it affecting how you complain to your family or your friends? And I think that it's a really, it has to be an intentional and conscious decision to stop these behaviors and to actually practice hope. I'm so glad you said that because I have language in capital letters written down on a note. Um, But I agree, It's, it's, as you said, it's doing that audit. And one other thing I find so helpful, and I went through this process, was that you almost have to retrain your brain and you have to retrain yourself to start looking for evidence that hope and love is out there. I I can know that one of the turning points with me is that when I would see couples holding hands on the street or I'd see, you know, um, my friend getting into another relationship or moving in or getting engaged, whatever it is, you know, there'd be a part of me that'd be like, oh, well, it's all right for them. Or, oh, well, he's probably a prick anyway, you know. And actually, I, you know, you have to start using those examples as evidence that love is out there. So I physically had to say to myself, no, this is amazing because it's proof that it can happen. Okay, mm. you see someone on the street, oh, good for them. Or you see a soppy Instagram post and you get really annoyed about it. It's, oh, okay, I'm annoyed because actually I really want that thing too. And I probably wouldn't post about it like that on Instagram, but actually that's showing me that that need's really there and that's exciting. So it's, oh, wow. it's looking for evidence to support a new belief and a new kind of way of, of thinking. Vulnerable share time. So last April... I was in a really bad place when it came to my love life. I was, I hadn't given up hope. I never, ever gave up hope, but I just felt shit. I felt really dejected. It happened to be the same month that my best friend was getting married. And I was obviously like so happy for her, but also, you know, very triggered. And also my dad happened to get married. I always say my dad and my best friend got married last April. And I'm like, not to each other. It always sounds so wrong. Um, My dad was also getting remarried. And it was like very like everyone around me was doing all these things. And I felt very single and very shit. And I went away with one of my really good friends and and colleagues. We met uh, in Italy and we were having a conversation. And she really like put a mirror in front of me and said, you seem like you just don't believe anymore. Like you really lost hope. And it feels like all this... And it came from because I was looking at somebody's Instagram, someone I didn't even know, but who had just recently got engaged and and was getting married and was really public about posting about it. And I started sharing it like, oh, like, you know, oh my God, it was really triggering me and I was just going to stop following her. And then she really confronted me and was like, you're losing faith and like, you've got to take these triggers and just take them into, like, like you said, into evidence of what's out there for you. And even though it was really tough to do that at the point where you just want to kind of curl into a ball and say okay please just send me someone or you know just make this go Mm -hmm. away I started to do what I call expansion like expand and I expanded and this is part of the manifestation process like expanding your mind to the things that are out there and I on purpose started to look for evidence that you can have these relationships and it's almost like because I'd fallen out of hope I'd blocked it from my mind that it was possible to have all this, these amazing relationships and that someone like a 
you know, there could be emotionally available men and there could be men who are great on the app. So, you know, all these things have been really blocked from me. And I actually created an Instagram file because, you know, you can do saved photos. Many people don't know if many people yeah. don't know this, but you can have different categories for your saved files. And I saved posts called expanders. And I literally just, every time I saw a post of someone, not like cheesy posts of people getting engaged, that doesn't, that wasn't really the thing. But when I saw any like posts of people that I even, I knew like friends who had timeline jumped and done things in their mid thirties, that was very expanding for me. Women who were like in 35 plus who were meeting somebody or doing all these things, I would put it in the, in the file and I had it. And every so often I just looked at it to be like, oh, like it is possible. And yeah, like it was a process and I really worked on myself from that time until now um, in a process of really, yeah, like believing that love can happen and it can happen at this age and it can happen in a really strong way. Not that we need to all share it on social media. Don't, mm-hmm. that's not the, the moral of the story is it can happen behind closed doors as well, but it was a really big process for me. So I think what you just said and that term of expansion is so key. Yeah. And think about, you know, going back to what you were talking about, like losing hope and showing up with that language that's very constraining and complaining constantly. Even think about your swiping on the apps. You're not going to meet anybody in that energy because nobody's going to be good enough. There's always going to be a problem with someone or you're out and about. You're going to be so focused on hating all the happy couples. You're going to miss the person smiling at you in the coffee shop you know just yeah just become really aware another thing I actually like to do with clients on building hope is doing visualizations as well because sometimes if especially if you know you might never have had a relationship or your last relationship was 10 years ago or you know you've only experienced very toxic situationships or something it can be hard to hope or imagine something being out there that you haven't experienced so through visualizations and I've got one on my website that I can always link, but you can create the feeling of being in the healthy, happy relationship like you did in your process. And actually it's that feeling that we're moving towards. So you almost have to kind of trick your brain and trick your body that this feeling is already there and you already have experienced it. Mm-hmm. So it, it then makes the thought of kind of finding that love that you might never have had a lot more real and a lot more possible. I love that. I love that. And yeah, definitely let's link that visualization in the in the show notes so that people can have it. Amazing. So you just also mentioned about, you know, the person smiling in the coffee shop. So I guess the biggest question that most people who are looking for love want to know is how to meet people. And I actually don't want to go so much into a discussion about the apps because I don't know, I just feel like it's overtalked. Let's talk about how to date without using the apps, okay? So if you decide that you don't want to, or you want to use the apps, but you don't want to rely just on using the apps, what you can do. And I'd love to hear your take on it. Well, I think it's really interesting, actually, how things are changing, because now Jen... Z, that's the newest one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's said in such a millennial tone. What's the new one called? Gen Z. <laughs> oh, God. The TikTokers. Um, now, it, I mean, I'm saying that I'm obsessed with it. But um, Jen said actually now two thirds of them are saying that they don't want to use dating apps and that they want to go back to the old fashioned way of meeting people. And actually, I do think that even with the apps themselves, like if you look at one of the newest and probably the most successful is one called Thursdays, which is only open one day a week. 
So you can't scroll on the apps. You can only access it on a Thursday. And the whole premise is that you go on and meet somebody or they throw massive in real life events. So I do think that is the way everything is changing and won't go into too much about online dating, but even that concept in itself, you know, match.com was the first ever online site and that only started in 1995. So it hasn't really been around for that long. So it's basically a huge social experiment which actually, when you look at the scrolling and the swiping and stuff, has been quite negatively linked to self-doubt and lack of hope um, and kind of addictive and compulsive behaviours because they're designed basically to be a game. So I do really, really strongly believe that apps, if you want to use them, use them in the right way, use them in a healthy way, but they should be one way. There should be one avenue that we can look at. And there are so many more. You know, apps are great in that they expand your pool of potential partners, but look around you, you know, look at where you feel your best. So when I'm working on this, I always say, okay, first of all, as always, because it's me and you're talking about this, we need to work on the belief that you can meet people outside of the dating apps because if that is fundamentally how you're thinking then how are you going to do anything else so you know it's easy to get trapped in that vicious cycle where it's like I hate the apps I don't want to use them but I also don't believe that I'm going to meet anybody anywhere else so you're stuck in both places aren't you Mm. um so let's look at mindset look let's look at your beliefs around that because actually I think it's about 70% of people do meet on offline Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is a huge amount of people okay yeah. so it's not the majority of people meeting on dating apps the majority of people meet in real life so what can we do then if we're talking about expansion to expand your environment and create more opportunities to meet people and this is the bit i love this is you know it's again not being passive if you don't want to use the apps but you're not going to smile at somebody in a supermarket or go up and talk to somebody again where are we stuck? So how can you create more opportunity in everyday life and in your life to potentially meet a romantic partner? And one thing, you know, the easiest place to start is probably look at, do a bit of an inventory when you're out and about every day. Have you got your head down? Have you got your earphones in? Have you got your arms crossed? Are you actually taking in who's around you and what's going on? You know, when you're in that coffee shop, um, I don't know, I'm obsessed with the coffee shop, but being in line, <laughs> being in line is an amazing way to meet people because you can make small chat. Everybody hates standing in line. So are you chit-chatting? Are you smiling? Or are you at least being open? How, is your body language open? What's going on? And then think, okay, when you're out and about, start practicing saying hello to little old ladies, talk to people with dogs, get yourself used to having everyday interactions with new people that you don't know, because then it becomes so much easier when it is potentially a romantic partner. Um, And then again, a little conversation openers, right? When you're in a bar or coffee shop again, oh, what are you drinking? Oh, can I use this chair, please? That's a massive one. You know, if you need a chair for your friend, and there's a, ch- a group of girls and a group of guys that both have a spare chair, I bet you're going to go up to the table with a group of girls and take their chair. But again, potential opener, go up to that table, mm. guys. And I know it can feel awkward and it can feel whatever, but if we're thinking about how can you actively do that, 
everyday life. That's amazing ones. And then get really brave about speaking about the fact that you want to meet somebody. Ask to be set up. Friends, family, colleagues. The more you talk about it, the more it's going to put people on your radar. So they might not have anybody at the moment, but, you know, if they're at a party and they meet an amazing person who's single and your name is floating about, it's like, oh, people love matchmaking, don't they? It's like, you know, they might kind of think of you and suggest it. So you never know what's going to come out. So get brave, ask to be set up. Love these answers. Yeah, I've got a billion more, but I'll pause there and see what your thoughts are. Well, you know, I think I think that I'm going to give a really coachy response. Apologies, but this is this is what we do. I think that there's lists of where you can meet people. And I think everybody listening is probably smart enough to know what they need to do in terms of where they need to go. Yep. Supermarket is an option. Coffee shop. I actually did a um, a poll not a poll, like a question box on my Instagram stories asking like where people met their partner if it was offline. I did this a few weeks ago and it was like the gym was a big one, um, mm. events, festival, speed dating was one. Lots of things of like go to events of things that you love. Okay. So like maybe joining like, I don't know, somebody said they're doing, I think ceramics. Another person was, I don't know, like things like very, you know, every, I think everyone can sit with themselves and say, okay, where are the, where are like-minded people who are like me going to be of the, yeah. of the sex that you're attracted to? But I think that that's obviously really great to have those ideas and to practice them. But the biggest thing ever is getting into a good energy of when you're there, like you said, of being that person who wants to be there and it not being forced. That's the biggest thing I would say. I would say, you don't want to just say, oh, I only want to go to do a, I don't know, go to this event at this co-working space for example because there might be some of the men there and because you're just doing it for the sake of it no it should be about being with yourself and enjoying this is like I said a very coachy answer go and enjoy being alone go and enjoy connecting and nourishing Mm -hmm. yourself and your own social life whether that's with friends or alone and you will meet somebody at the time that you want because you'll be so in the flow of being in yourself that you won't be doing things just to meet someone I think the minute that you take away that need to go somewhere to meet somebody or the need to walk on the street to meet somebody still being open still knowing in the back of your head that you can and that's why I'm really obsessed with solo travel solo dating just doing things get comfortable with being in your own skin because the person who's going to see you in the coffee shop and look and say oh look at that person she looks so confident and comfortable and she's just like in her in her energy like she's vibrant and she's doing all those things it's way more likely that you're going to be approached and I mean obviously I'm just the biggest advocate for solo travel single or not single but I do think it is a great place to meet people when you're single like it's I've heard so many stories of friends who met partners or even if it didn't end up being long-term relationships but had amazing love stories because they went out of their usual dating pool and their usual comfort zone and they met people. So that's what I would say. I went on a bit of a rant there. But to summarize, get clear on all the places that you could meet like-minded people, but really just work on the energy that you bring to your life and get comfortable with having a social life whilst being single. I completely agree. And I do think we've come out of a very weird time with COVID. I still don't necessarily think we've dealt with that. But working from home, it means it's very easy to like lose the passion, isn't it, for life and even 
get dressed or you know start to look after yourself or whatever it might be so do whatever it takes to get that pet back in your step yeah like we yes. feel like we lost our mojo a bit during the Definitely. the lockdowns and stuff and now it is like post the post lockdown era and yeah like again going back to do the work on yourself like don't just expect mm-hmm. things to change Definitely not. But no, I love your answer. I also want to say that I just, I don't want to say that you don't have to go on dating apps. I know that you said that as well. I think dating apps can be a tool to widen the pool, exactly like you said, if used correctly and when you're in a good mindset. So for anyone listening who thinks that we're saying don't use dating apps, I don't necessarily think that's true. I think it's just don't close yourself off to just using them and use them very wisely because they can be really toxic. Yeah, I have like rules with clients. It's like one app, certain amount of time each day. We go in with a good energy, little mantra before, a little breath. You're not allowed to mindlessly swipe, all that sort of stuff. Like, because it is, it makes it so two dimensional, isn't it? You forget there's a person at the end of the phone. It's just a, ju- a photo that you can judge someone on. So, yeah, I think there are, I think there are, you know, equal things amazing and terrible about them, to be honest. So it really is down to the person how they use them. We're just living in such a wild time because mm-hmm. I and I think the statistic that you shared is really interesting that now there's like a backlash of people not wanting to go on dating apps. And it's just funny how it just happens to be like our age group of like late 20s, 30s, early 40s who are looking to meet someone. Uh, we were stuck in that time, obviously also because of COVID, of, of having to use dating apps and it's going to change. So I think that's really important to remember that, you know, you're not a slave to the apps like I just want to remind everyone that because I think that's also what I hear a lot in the dating world is oh my god the apps the apps the apps I'm on yeah. every single app I'm on every single app and I'm doing all the things and it's like no like still do it maybe one app and like you said really like monitored it monitoring it and monitoring your use of it but don't be on all the apps delete all the apps pick one that you like go on it a couple of times per week try and arrange at least I don't know one day a month from an app and then apart from that just go and do all the things that we said just do exactly what we said <laughs> yeah but and do you know what as well that's a really interesting point is is that have them in the background and carry on your own merry way again it's like where do we want to put our energy but actually sometimes even the intention of having the app makes you feel like you're doing something and moving forward and that can be really positive in itself so even if you decide to download it because then it feels like you are making some sort of effort and things are aligning a little bit more and that's giving you the confidence to talk about dating or think about it more or whatever do that I've got a personal question for you which you can cut out if you want obviously how did you meet your partner I think I'll I'll share it I think I already probably shared it on my on my Instagram so I met my partner in work in my last job is actually almost four years ago but we didn't speak we worked in a company of around 70 people I think he he is a works in the as a developer so he was the IT person who was helping me something with my computer we both were in relationships at the time and we we weren't friends we just had a few interactions in work and we became Facebook friends I don't know why I think maybe a few years ago if you I don't know maybe that's what it's like today obviously I don't have colleagues so I have no idea that people add each other on Facebook Anyway, and then when I was in Costa Rica on my big post-breakup solo travel trip, he had also just gone through a breakup and saw my Facebook post that I was renting out my apartment and he actually stayed in my apartment whilst I was there and we became friends ever since and we were friends for almost two years before before we actually decided to give it, to give it a go. And it really was that, I just want to say, that it wasn't this like 
a huge love story that we just met and we just knew we were really good friends for a while before and had a few false starts and, and things that happened but it was very much a conscious decision it was like oh two people we have really similar values we have like really amazing conversations we get on really well why don't we just see what it's like to be together literally like we had a almost like a really mature adult conversation and then we just did and we've been together ever since I love that it's that kind of like slow burn that's based on amazing values and compatibility and friendship which is the fundamentals for any relationship isn't it yeah and you know what's really funny and I think I hope this can expand other people because when it happened that we decided to be to give it a go I was a bit confused because I was like, no, this isn't a love story that was supposed to happen. And also it's never how I'd fallen with for somebody before. I'd always been like, you see someone, all my, I have quite, quite, I've been in quite a few serious relationships over the years and each one had been, when I was with them, it was like, not necessarily fireworks, but I just knew and it was very, like, I was very, very, very in awe of them and attracted to them. And I wanted, you know, it was very love from the start. And, and this wasn't that, it was friendship. And it was, like you said, compatibility. And it was, it was a slow burn and it it wasn't even a burn. It was just, oh, this person's my friend and we get on well. And it it wasn't anything like, oh my God, I know I'm going to be with this person. And there was no knowing, there was no certainty. And that really held me back. I remember at the start being like, when we spoke about it, I was like, that's not how I envisioned being with somebody. I didn't envision that we would just have a mature conversation and just decide. I always thought it would be this like meet you in the coffee shop where I would ask for the chat. You know, that's what I thought. And, and I remember being like, oh no, this isn't, this isn't it. Like it's, you know, it's just, it's too normal. It's too, it's too calm. It's too peaceful. And it's not chaotic enough. Cause for me, love has in the past been quite chaotic. And I have a friend who actually also happens to be a coach. And when I told her this exact thing, she was like, huh, this is the best way to meet somebody like being friends before. That's the biggest love story. And then I was like, oh, what a reframe. And then I just was like, yeah, actually, this is a great way to meet someone. It's like, honestly, if you can be friends first or have any form of foundation where you really do respect and value each other, it's only going to go up. But I do think I do think some people shy away from it because of a very outdated view. I think people get confused with like settling. You know, if there isn't that spark and like not spark, but, you know, the fireworks, the knowing at first sight, the whatever, the chemistry, the butterflies, they do think anything else is a form of settling. And it's not. I really think it's really important to acknowledge that, that I also had that thought of this is literally the day that we decided to to try and like explore it. I was like, oh, is it just because I ran out of options and I just had this really nice friend who, you know, is in the same place as me? Does that mean I'm settling? And then I was like, well, absolutely not. This is an amazing person in front of me and I'm be lucky and privileged to be with him. So, you know, maybe everyone listening, just go through all your friends list, <laughs> find an old friend. No, no, not I'm, like, obviously it's a unique story and everyone has their unique way of, of meeting somebody. But I do think that this settling is a is a term that, especially with age, you think, mm. oh, well, I've waited this long. I've not been, I've not, and that really links to what we were saying before with the losing hope thing. Well, I, you know, I've been, I've not been with someone for five, six, seven, eight years or whatever it is. I'll just wait a little bit longer because that person, I shouldn't settle for just like the person in front of me because I'm going to be rescued by this other person. And it's just not, it doesn't work like that. No, and also, what the hell are you settling for? What somebody who treats you amazingly, you get on really well, you fancy, and it's super easy and calm with, rather than settling for crap behaviour and anxiety and the push and pull. 
and with my husband as well like we had a few false starts like I when I met him I was in that horrible place that I talked about wait where did you meet I was just about to ask you the question Mm -hmm. back how did you meet your husband so he was actually randomly we're both from Oxford he went to the same school as my brother never met him he was friends with my friends never met him and then I was in London he moved to London had gone on a night out and me and a friend crashed at another friend who was his flatmate so I actually met him at like eight o'clock in the morning bedraggled from the night before having like me and my friend had slept on their sofa he was like revising for some sort of finance exam had a girlfriend at the time that was actually our first meeting so (laughs) there was no love at first sight I was thought, he's quite attractive and a bit rude ignoring me revising um (laughs) and then circumstances changed he came to a party but again because I was trapped in that cycle of this is what love should like feel like the fireworks, the, you know, um, Grey's Anatomy style toxic relationship because he was just very secure and liked me and was quite available. I was like, oh, no, this isn't right. And I was still so in my own way. And it was, you know, the reason I'm the biggest advocate for this work was that over that year, right, that I bit longer than that but I did all this work I did all the soul searching I did cleared my blocks looked at childhood did the whatever he didn't change I did and it was the ability to actually see the you know the amazing person like okay why does my brain always think about him if I have a bad date why do I kind of compare people to him and it was almost that really quiet whisper that something is here and you're letting it go and I had to go ask him out again that's be like oh I love that you did that (laughs) and I love that it was a quiet whisper as well I think that we all have these beliefs that love like we've said this a few times in the past uh you know 10 minutes but that love has to be this big drama movie style lusty love butterfly sparks and it's just sometimes that happens for people I'm not saying it doesn't and it has happened for me in the past didn't work out but that did happen but I just think that we need to normalize love being quiet, calm, peaceful, yeah. all those things. Because that's, yeah, that's where it grows, isn't it? Yeah. It's not anxiety, guys. I know. <laughs> and then I think that we need to really say that, you know, butterflies are often anxiety, which is something, a big thing that I've learned in my 30s. Yeah. Yeah, that that uh, the sort of line, isn't it, between fear and excitement? Where is it? Because it's the I same don't... body sensations. Totally. I also want to say that I think, practically speaking, I really, if we go back to the question of where to meet people in real life, that I do think friends of friends, I've written it down before, friends of friends and going to things that your friends do, even if it's like a dinner party that you wouldn't usually want to go to because, you know, oh, it's so annoying, Most mostly going to be couples there. Or if a friend invites you to her birthday and you don't really know anyone, like this is key. And let's even take that one step further and merge that with using the apps. I think a really good way to meet someone on the apps is when you see someone that you know on the apps, someone you used to work with, somebody that is a friend of a friend or maybe a sibling's friend, or, you know, it's like we can use the apps if better I think if it's already someone we kind of know and I think that's also a really good thing to remember is like you're probably going to meet someone from a network or a circle whether Mm -hmm. that's linked to work whether it's linked to a hobby whether it's linked to friends and wider community if if that's something that you you know 
are involved with. So I just wanted to finish that question by bringing it back around to practical ways. And I think for both of us, that's also similar to, to our stories. Definitely. Couldn't agree more. Right. Last question. And I think this is one that I know a lot of my clients struggle with. And I also get asked a lot on, on my Instagram, how to get back into dating when you've not done it for a while. And even more so than this, when you're terrified of it, when the thought of going on a date makes you cringe and gives you the heebie-jeebies, what do you do? So I'm actually going to start with something that's not really anything to do with dating because my first point of call is if you've been out of the dating game for a while, before we start and go anywhere near the apps, I do want you to do an inventory of actually what are your beliefs? What are your stories? What are your thoughts on dating? What are your thoughts on men? What works in your past relationships? What didn't work in your past relationships? What your behavior is? And actually, because we need to do, we need to have an idea of actually where you've been and where you're going. Because when we're scared or when we're out of practice, we fall back on what we know. So we go back into those old patterns. We go back into those old way of thinkings. We go back into being attracted to the people that we've already met with a different face, right? That's where we, that's unconsciously where we go back to. So it's really important to have an amazing amount of awareness before we start the dates. Mm -hmm. And a common pattern that I also see is that when you haven't been dating for a while, whether that's a year, 10 years, maybe never, we will build walls okay we will find ways to not to keep ourselves not vulnerable we will suddenly have massive expectations we will have an armor that you have to get through and that is not the way we want to approach dating okay so and that include you know your inventory includes getting really honest about that have you got your back up? Are you really defensive? Do you find it difficult to rely on people? Do you find it difficult to be vulnerable? So see where you are, because that might be, if there is any work in inverted commas, perhaps somewhere that you would go with it. So that actually would be my first port of call with nothing to do with dating. And then I think I would mirror actually what, you know, what you've already said about when we're talking about how to meet people. The first and you know, thing we want to be doing is getting excited and into the right energy. And I don't care if you don't go on dates in this period. I want you to really focus on feeling good about yourself. You know, for some people that might look like buying new outfits that they feel really good in that they could potentially wear on dates. That could look like getting your hair and nails done. That could look like actually really focusing on inner growth and confidence and you know whatever that looks like for you expanding your world again moving towards things that give you energy whether it's joining a new gym class or traveling or taking yourself on a date all those things that we've already talked about to get you back into that mindset that you feel like a juicy little magnet mm. that's what I really want to focus on too um who doesn't want to feel like a juicy little magnet a that. juicy little peach um <laughs> and then I would perhaps say the one other thing that I think you would need outside the practical elements of you know whatever is support 
and accountability. So if we're really serious about starting the dating again, whatever that might look like for you, tell friends, tell people, ask them to help you, ask them to talk about dating with you, ask them to, you know, maybe be really encouraging just yeah really support you and and say hang on a minute you said you were going to do this come on let's get up and go because I sometimes think there can be a real beauty in taking a break for such an amount of years especially if it's been a period like 10 years right and you know I do work with some clients who have gone through a divorce and now actually they're in a real new chapter of their life or you know some even have children that are leaving home and it's opened up this whole new chapter and there's a certain amount of amazing naiveness that comes in not having experienced years of dating app turmoil and things like that so let's like harness that actually and shut our ears to the horror stories or the stories where it didn't work out and you know maybe collect like five really cool or five amazing stories of when it did work out how different people met you know perhaps people who met when they were older or their second partner or third partner or whatever just again it's that evidence collection and then we can implement the practical things that we've talked about of how you can actually start dating and but yeah and I would say go slow as well just be really accepting of yourself I loved all of that obviously always starting with awareness and doing that you know, the inventory mm. and the auditing and everything. I have a really non-coachy answer for this, for this question. That's a little bit different to the last thing that you said. I'm going to yeah. say it anyway. I think a hundred percent you should do the mindset work and everything. I'm not obviously going against that. If you've not dated for ages, just go on a date. Honestly, yeah. that's what I would say. I, mm. I have a client who we was speaking about this in our last session and she's not dated for years and she was saying how nervous she is and I just think we build it up to be this huge thing in our heads the thought of being Mm -hmm. on a date the label of date becomes so big and heavy and burdensome but at the end of the day it's sitting with another person and it's just talking and it's it doesn't have to be so big it does if you're going to book a fancy restaurant and do this whole big thing but no go on a coffee date go on a walk literally just do something simple say I've got oh if you're nervous I've only got an hour to meet let's meet obviously somewhere safe but maybe just let's go on a walk somewhere or let's go and grab a cup of coffee that's it and it just doesn't have to be such a big thing and I genuinely think for anyone listening who hasn't been on a date for so long and it's become this big taboo thing is that just just go on one seriously and I know that's really against everything that you just said (laughs) But I also just think there's something there about breaking down the the, the taboo of it because mm. it is scary and I, I know I'm all talk and I do enjoy dating. But I remember when I broke up with my ex and we had been together for almost four years and about, I think it was about six weeks after we broke up, I decided to go on a date. It was from Tinder. And obviously at this point, I was really not looking for a relationship. I was just like, just want to go on a first date. And I was terrified. It felt so different. I met my ex when I was 29 and at this point I was 33 and I was like the firstly dating app world had completely trans transformed since then and secondly I had just was a completely different person and I was hiding we were meeting in a bar and I'm hiding around the corner on the phone to my best friend I can't go and my stomach was flipping in turmoil it was honestly I was beyond terrified I remember being like I can't do this I'm gonna I, I think I started walking home I was like no 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 no, no I can't do it and then it just, all you need is one minute of courage. And it just said, okay, 
come on, it's just a date. He's just a person. And yeah. funnily enough, he had just also gone through a huge breakup exactly the same week that I had. So it was very a very good person to go on a date with because we didn't know uh, before we met. And I went and I really enjoyed it. And it was just like, yeah, like I can't remember how long I stayed. It was a couple of hours, but I just sat and I was like, and I know that not everyone has you know, the ability to talk to people, maybe like some people are more extroverted, some people are more introverted. And that is something about honoring that traits of yourself. But I just needed to rip that plaster off. And I'm so happy I did. So that's my advice. But I think that's amazing. And I think you can also do that alongside doing the inventory, getting to know yourself, getting excited for it. You know, as long as you feel kind of, I mean, not necessarily ready, but like, as long as some part of you feels ready and if there's an inkling that you know you're thinking about dating you feel that urge to it move towards it and see what happens but what I really like there what you said as well is you just sat and talked and did something simple and I think that in the kind of mindset work that we want to do about keeping expectations low is that we want to go in with a kind of curiosity and a growth mindset that you're here to learn right you're there just to have a conversation just to just to learn about yourself in the early stages because what I also see sometimes is if people have had that break they have one date and then they get fixated Mm. on the person or they get super attached quite easily or it goes the other way and they run away and never want to see them again so again it's like dating to learn dating to explore dating to have fun yeah, just to enjoy dating. I, I really love what you said about like harnessing the fact of having not dated for a while to be something good because I think we can contrast that with somebody who has been dating constantly for years and years and years and they're sick of it. So that that becomes then very like, oh my God, another date. I have to tell mm-hmm. my story again. I have to answer the questions again. And that's really tiring. So I think that you're right. Like the person for me, especially when I came out of this relationship, I was like, oh my God, I can date. Like I'm meeting all these different people and it's really fun and hadn't been on the apps for four years so all of a sudden you have loads of men there that are like you know oh my god who are all these men and there's definitely something there of it is going to be fearful I'm not saying it's not it's scary if it's something you've not done for a while anything is any getting out of your comfort zone is feels you know nerve-wracking but there's something there of like, this is the time to enjoy dating. If you've not dated for a while, amazing. You go and enjoy it. Go and yeah. have the best time. And make sure you have a friend like you did who you can call in that moment where you're like, I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. Who's going to push you through? Oh, we all need cheerleaders. Seriously. Yeah. Like, I don't think I could have gone through all the dating stuff without. I actually had a really uh, one friend who was also recently single and she doesn't even live like in the same city as me, but we would voice note all the time after before and after our dates that it was literally she was like a dating friend coach you saying she wasn't actually a coach we weren't, we weren't paying each other but I think that's so important I always say that to people when we talk about um friendships and I obviously talk about friendships a lot in my content of like it's okay to have a friend that is specifically for a certain thing and I think having a friend to support you on your dating journey is amazing such a good thing to do oh, I love that what a way to end that question yeah amazing well I think these questions have been really insightful and also really practical which is exactly what I wanted to do so thank you so so much I'm going to invite everyone who's listening that if they have more questions for us that we obviously we're we're answering so honestly 
to send them in and then maybe we can do a, a live or part two and we'll, we'll Definitely. carry on. Definitely. Yeah. Let's, let's make it like a regular Q and a feature. That'd yeah. be really cool. Cause yeah, so, it's, I think it's, we, people need the space, don't they? To talk about it. And to, yeah, I think so as well. And I, you know, we obviously both get asked these questions a lot, so we may as well publicize the answers. Anyone who has a question, feel free, obviously, to reach out directly to me or to Caitlin. So, Caitlin, could you just share where my audience can find out more about you? Of course. So, there is a lot of information on Instagram, and that is the.compatibility.coach. Otherwise, my email is caitlin um, at thecompatibilitycoach.co.uk or website is www.thecompatibilitycoach.co.uk. And I have recently started my own podcast, very baby podcast, with another coach called Carly, which is called All About Love. So that is also where you can find me hanging out for the next couple of months as well. Amazing. And yeah, Carly was also on the Turning 30 podcast a few episodes ago talking about anxious attachment. So if you haven't listened to that, I invite you to go and listen to that as well. And thank you so, so much, Kaylin. As always, been such a pleasure. And I'll see everyone on the podcast next week. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Bye. 